Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, you'll be coming down. And welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order. I'm JB Clark. I'm joined, as always, by Rob Carmack. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, JB. I feel like my pretty face hasn't. Uh... Oh, shoot. I... <laughs> I feel like my pretty face is holding out, so I'm doing good. Sorry, there you I'm... go. I yeah. stumbled right over that opening line. I'm doing great, JB. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, I'm doing all right, but I feel like I'm about to come down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm smiling now, but pretty soon I'm going to find out. Well, you know, you've got your hopes on high. <laughs> I do have my hopes on high. That's what I keep saying. Well, all right. Oh, well, man. hey, everybody. Thanks for, for joining us today. We'll, we're, uh, as JB mentioned, we're talking about the song You'll Be Coming Down. This is from the 2000, no, I'm sorry, the 2007 album Magic. And amazingly, JB, this is not our final song from Matt. We have six episodes to go, counting this one, and there's still <laughs> another Magic song left in the, in the, in the bucket. That's so, crazy. For a second, I was like, we don't have six Magic songs left. Like, I, before you said six songs left no. i was like no way we've got six magic songs left i panicked the, the second to last song on the entire master list is a magic song so magic t- technically magic's the final album that we finished because the last song is zero and blind terry which is from tracks so so yeah magic's gonna hold on until the very end which you know i knew it could i've had faith in it this whole time so yeah the, the song we're talking about today is you'll be coming down this is uh, track two on magic it follows radio nowhere and this song has only been played one time live, exactly once. And it was on March the 24th, 2008, in Columbus, Ohio, on, of course, the Magic Tour. And uh, I'm super bummed was about that. Was that the first we, night? Was that just the first night of the tour? It wasn't. It was, um, I, I'm pretty, that was pretty close to right after when Danny left the tour. Danny Federici, the okay. organist yeah. for the, uh, uh, organist slash accordion player, uh, for the East Street band during the magic uh, tour had to leave the tour early because he was dying of skin cancer. And so he, he passed away, I think about a month after this, this show happened. So, um, but anyway, all that to say like, no, they were actually, they were pretty far into the tour. Um, or they were about midway, I think through the tour. Cause I saw this tour in April. So it was about a week and a half after this, that I saw the, the tour. And I'm not going to lie, man. I, when I saw this, that he's, he never plays this live. Like it's gotten exactly one play. I was I'm bummed. Like I, I love this song. I, I'm gonna come right out of the gate yeah, and say I think, I think it's a great song. It's a really really good song. And the fact that this has been fully ignored, with one exception, in Bruce's entire career, is really a shame. I think. And in fact, by, I'm by the way, I'm not alone on this. Max Weinberg says that this is his one of his favorite songs ever. I don't know if it's like a favorite song ever, but I get it. I mean, that's you know, what Max he gets says. to do some fun, simple work. Yeah, I mean, Max is way more right than I am. So <laughs> I, I think it's just funny that like. All the E Street band members seem to have like these favorite songs that almost never ever get played. You know, and that's yeah. Funny? Maybe that's the thing about it is like he just had fun that one night, and so it really has a place in his heart. Or, or maybe, they were maybe, in the studio yeah. and jamming it out, and he was like, "Hell yeah, we're gonna play this all the time." <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they didn't. Like he only played, he he didn't even play it, but the one time on the Magic Tour, like, he's promoting on that album, and, and that album was in pretty was pretty heavily represented in those set lists. Like I, at the show I went to. He played at least half the album. He, he he was not yet leaning all the way into like legacy band place. He was still like out there promoting new stuff. And even then, the song did not get played a lot, or almost never, you know, other than the one time. And yet, I listen to this, and every single time, I'm like, this this may low key be one of the best songs on this album. It's a great song. Yeah, and I feel like we we're not talking about it enough. 
That's why we needed this podcast because yeah, nobody's talking about this song. About it's so good. While. I think maybe I, I could see how he might feel like it drags a little bit live. You know I, what I mean? Like there's a tempo that full band is kind of weird live. I mean, I yeah, think this might be, you know what I mean? Cause it's like so heavy, like on that snare and you can feel like it's dragging a little bit. Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely not like a high, like a, high octane rocker and he already was doing girls in their summer clothes at like on this tour and i feel like this song and girls in their summer clothes are similar in terms of like tone and style and um pacing you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. i i assume because his shows rely so much on like high energy i assume he probably felt like i can't go down that many times you know like and so like girls in their summer clothes and he was also doing devil's arcade and magic and, and, you know, obviously stuff from from previous albums as well. And so there probably was this sense of, like, there's just not room for it on a set that already has a lot of heaviness to it. Even though this is not yeah. necessarily a heavy song, it's not a rocker, though. It's not Radio Nowhere, and it's not, like, Last to Die or anything like that. So Well, it's heavy, like, in the way that, uh, you know, like a, a greasy meal is heavy, you know? Like, it's good and all, but it's just, like, the drums sort of, like, on the behind the beat, you know? It's very substantive. It's by- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's thick. Yeah. It's rich. There's nothing, like, flashy or anything about it, but, you know, it's like a pork chop. Like, well, and what's funny is, like, this is, I, I've mentioned before that Magic is, was my first Bruce Springsteen album. This is the first album I ever bought of his. Yeah. And I, I remember having this in my car and pretty much just keeping it on. It was back when you just, like, put a CD in your CD player and just drive around and let it just play over and over again. And I remember every single time I would come to this song, even, this is before I even saw him live and thinking, like, this is like I really love this. This is one of the songs that made me really into Bruce Springsteen, really, huh. because because it's like it's track two on my first album. So after Radio Nowhere, this is this is like the second you know this is the second thing you get, and um, it never let me down. I I really I love this song. It's it's big. I mean, we can talk about music if you want, but um, there's like it's got the big poppy chorus. It's got a really nice melody. It's it's big and it's beautiful. It's it's got like the layered guitars. It's got a good saxophone solo. There's a lot of really rich material going on even before the lyrics enter into it. What do you? It's very high. It's heavily produced. In fact, um, Brendan O'Brien even talks about how like this is one like the production on this one was like ratcheted way way up at Bruce's request. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's very much like a wall of sound where everything's really balanced. This, the snare is great. Like I said, it's just kind of like behind the beat a little bit. Or, you know, on the, not behind it, but on the sort of the back end of the beat, right? And the bass intro is like super gained out. Uh, the way it's just like sliding in and out and sort of droning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another thing. It's like the bass isn't moving, it's droning. And so that's sort of holding it, making it a heavier, weightier song too. Uh, it's got some great, like the edge, U2 delay lead guitar in the verses. Like just buried in the mix yeah i can hear that for sure 100 percent the edge yeah i mean it, it almost sounds like they brought him in you know <laughs> has, has uh, Brandon o'brien ever produced a youtube record i don't know that would be an int- that's an interesting question let's find out real quick that's a question we can't just leave out there i i think no i want to say he hasn't because when we looked up years ago when we were looking up who he's worked with i remember like pearl jam shows up a lot and um like there are a couple of other artists but I, I I would have remembered if you two. I don't think so. No. If the answer is yes, and we find out later, I'll I'll just put it in the show notes or something. But um, I mean, yeah. like, because there's maybe like three people out there that actually care about that. Anyway, that, that's because you made the comparison to the edge, and I, I know that Bruce is very friendly with the U two guys, and so I think like seeing. Oh my gosh, if if the, if they like teamed up to do this live at some sort of event, I mean, it, that would never happen. But that would be. Like if they, I mean I say that they have teamed up and they've done like streets have no names and 
Um, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And because of the night, I just like, I don't think if they got together, I don't think they'd be like, okay, guys, the crowd demands it. We have to go out there and do, you'll be coming down. But, but yes, all that to say, yeah, I totally hear that in the guitars. Yeah. And then it's got really, it's got a nice sax solo. That was the other musical note I had. Yeah. The sax is big in this song. Yeah. It's not a special sax solo. It, you know, it's not, it's just nice. It's good sax solo. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and that's the thing about the magic record is, this is the this is in my opinion this is the last great album the E Street Band will make while Clarence is still alive, you know. Yeah. And and so that this album really is sort of Clarence's final like fingerprints on, on Bruce's discography. It's it's great that these first three tracks, Radio Nowhere, You'll Be Coming Down, and um, Living in the Future, all have very big saxophone forward sections in the songs. This is, I mean, it. I don't know that Bruce intuited that. Like this was going to be their last time to really collaborate at this level, but um, man, it, it it feels like he he made a lot of room for Clarence in ways that he hadn't in a long long time. Because even if you go back and look yeah. at the Rising record, he's Clarence is in there, but he's not nearly as pronounced as he is on this record. So really, the last time you see this much Clarence in an E Street Band album is Born in the USA. Yeah, I have never really thought about how he's just sort of not not absent, but not prominent on you know for such a chunk of time. Yeah. Well, and even I'm thinking now, like even born in the USA, he's not, he's not that heavily featured. I mean, really, you you could argue like the River is the last time he used Clarence like to this level. You yeah. Know? So between River, the River and Magic, like that's that's a long stretch of time, and I, it it is cool that Clarence got a chance to like leave a pretty great album in you know in his final years. Yeah. So, so all that to say, like I really um, I, I love the sax solo in this. Do you have, do you feel like the ending of the song? Is it like the beginning of a sitcom? <laughs> oh, you mean like with the saxophone playing over it, like the freeze frame and everybody's. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's like the saxophone and then it, the saxophone tails off and the whole band's like, bum, 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 and like it just kind of, you know what I mean? It just yeah. feels like there's a title card. It very much feels like it could be, <laughs> I, I don't know. The, <laughs> I, I think that every time it ends, and every time I end, I'm like, I think. You know, Michelle Tanner is walking into the kitchen and do a laugh track. <laughs> I never in my life thought of that, and I really hope I don't think of that next time I listen to this song. <laughs> I'm sorry if I ruined it. That's all right. I love it. Thing, and then that la- those like last three or four chords, I'm like, ah, I just always giggle a little bit. Yeah, it does sort of have. I guess I'd never really thought about it before, but you're right. Like the ending is a little bit like that. I don't. I don't know exactly how else to describe it, but it it does. Like you're not really you're not wrong. On it. Say what. It really puts a bow on it. Well, is there anything else musically? I mean, like like we said, this this song is really like the the production level on this is really ratcheted up. But yeah, um, sound wise, I don't really have much else. There's there's a lot of layered guitars. You know, like it sounds like there's an acoustic in there somewhere, and like maybe three or four different guitars all playing at once. Yeah, there's a bunch of a bunch of acoustic and like the tambourine and the snare drum are all sort of occupying that same space. So. Uh, well, do you want to talk about the lyrics? Uh, absolutely. Let's talk about the lyrics. All right, man. You're up. You read it. Uh, all right. With roses and misty blue eyes. White roses. I said with roses? Yes. (laughs) White roses and misty blue eyes. Red mornings. Then nothing but gray skies. A cup of coffee. A heart shot clean through. The jacket you bought me. Gone daisy gray blue. Okay. You're... What's what's going on just in those first four verses? What what do you... What do you see in that image? Uh, it's... It feels like, uh... Things you get, like things start off real nice and rosy, and they get dark pretty quick. Yeah, white roses the juxtaposition, JB, the thing you most live for. You know, that's right. Red morning, gray skies, cup of coffee, hot shot clean through. Yeah, uh, 
yeah, jacket you bought me. Yeah, so so yeah, you're right. There's a, it's it's juxtaposition between like optimistic beginnings and then sort of like um, diminishing returns as time passes. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Uh, you're smiling now, but you'll find out. There we go. Like you're happy, but we're we're gonna you know, foreshadow something darker. By the way, the, I, musically, I love that part because it it has like the standard verse and then the you're smiling now it like rises a little bit like the pre-chorus the smiling now like it that's such i love that 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 is so hooky to me but anyway yeah. go ahead thanks for singing for us man hey man i don't do it often but when i do it'll be like when we're talking about you'll be coming down yeah man you've got a nice like uh you've got a nice like on the spot voice i got to like really warm it up and practice <laughs> <laughs> well i was doing my my warm up exercises before yeah well i, I should have done that i guess <laughs> They'll use you. All right. So you're smiling now, but you'll find out they'll use you up and spit you out. Now your head's spinning in diamonds and clouds, but pretty soon it turns out you'll be coming down now, baby. You'll be coming down. What goes around, it comes around and you'll be coming down. Okay. So this is a pretty standard, like, yeah, things are good right now, but be prepared for, for a long fall. Like the higher, basically like the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And, or the, the idea that, just because you you feel good and powerful and successful right now in this moment doesn't mean you're immortal and it doesn't mean you're immune to like the gravity or the um the passage of time and so it's it and maybe it's it's a very it almost feels like cynical a little bit just the idea of like even if you're enjoying life right now like just give it a minute and things will get worse. This is like the opposite of it gets better. It's like, well, it gets worse. You know what I mean? It's like the ghost of Monday future. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Just shows up and you're like, you know, you you wake up, you meditate, you do some yoga, you get dressed, you, you're on your way to work and the ghost of Monday future pops out and he's like, you're smiling now, but uh, hate to tell you, you're going to get a flat tire. Don't worry. You're going to grab a ride. Someone's going to change it. Your, your spare is not flat and you're not going to miss your meeting, but you are going to get a flat tire. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to fly. I don't want to deal with the jack today. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be coming down, baby. <laughs> well, and then the, the, the image of they'll use you up and spit you out now. Like if, if I didn't know better, like if, if another artist performed this song or wrote this song, I would think this is about the music industry, but because I don't, I don't think Bruce really sees the music industry in these terms. And obviously like the, the album magic is about more than that. So, and we'll talk more about that later, but like if this was another artist, I would think like, I would love to hear Jason Isbell do this song. And I think it would mean something different. You know what I mean? Um, it's like when a guy covers, uh, girls just want to have fun. (laughs) It just immediately (laughs) becomes a really sad song. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It becomes, or yeah, something along those, those lines. And it does feel sort of like a commentary on fame, which is deeply interesting because Bruce at this moment in his life has been famous for 40 plus years. You know what I mean? Like deep, like very, very famous. Like, I mean, arguably Bruce is one of the most famous people on the planet, you know, minus like Barack and Michelle Obama, or, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's there's a handful of people who who are more famous. His good friends, Barack and Michelle Obama. Yeah. Barack and Michelle Obama, (laughs) Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks are all Bruce Springsteen's best friends. And they're all probably the only people on the planet who are more famous than he is. And, and that that he is able to look at celebrity and see it through these eyes at the age that he's at when he's writing the song is really interesting. Because he, I mean, I, I realize he he has had his rises and falls, but he's always been a superstar. You know, I, I mean, ever since Born in the USA. Like, he's been he's been a guy yeah. that everybody sort of, he, he's a celebrity's celebrity. Like, even other celebrities, like, geek out when they see Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. So, anyway, there's, there's a lot going on in that first verse. And it's, even though it is kind of biting and cynical, I think it is pretty profound and i think there's more going on than what we already have seen so all right uh verse two easy street a quick buck and true lies smiles as thin as those dusky blue skies 
A silver plate of pearls, my golden child. It's all yours, at least for a while. You'll be fine as long as your pretty face holds out. Then it's going to get pretty cold out. An empty stream of stars shooting by. You got your hopes on high, but you'll be coming down. That line, that, that was one of the first Bruce Springsteen lyrics that really grabbed me, where it says, you'll be fine as long as your pretty face holds out, and then it's going to get pretty cold out. And I thought, like, yeah. dang, like, that's about somebody. Like, that, that's not even, this isn't even about sympathy. This is, like, rage, almost. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and again, we'll talk about sort of the, the multi-layered meaning of that. But I, I think this is, I think this is really good writing. You know, like, you'll be fine. Like I, like I said, I just really love that whole verse. I, I love everything about this song. Anyway, I could just keep gushing, gushing but go ahead. <laughs> uh, so then there's like a little interlude. For a while, you'll go sparkling by, just another pretty thing on high. Then the sax solo. solo. Yeah. Like a thief on Sunday morning, it all falls apart with no warning. Your cinnamon sky is gone, candy apple green. The crushed metal of your little flying machine is... <laughs> Yeah, man, that's a good line. Yeah, it really. You'll is. be coming down now, baby. What goes around, it comes around, and you'll be coming down. Okay, so there is a lot I think to unpack here in the song. So the first two verses could easily be about either a person who's a celebrity or a woman that Bruce sees who seem, it seems like maybe, or I mean, not not necessarily a woman, but a person who's just sort of getting by on luck and their good looks. And Bruce is yeah. basically like that can only last for so long, and so. The first two verses feel like a commentary on celebrity and sort of the um, superficiality of what we value in life. But then the third verse comes in and it becomes something very different because this is we, uh, we cannot decouple this from what the entire magic record is. And the entire magic record is in, in a in a symbol in a single thought. The entire magic record is a a lament and a critique of George W. Bush and the war in Iraq, right? Yeah. So at one level, this is about how... That, I, like, I, I think there's three different things going on in this song all at once, at least that I can see. Like, the first thing is the face value thing of like, don't, don't put all your eggs in the basket of like your good looks or like the, your luck will, will keep you going forever. At some point, at, at some point that stuff's going to let you down. So that's like the, the surface level stuff. The second level stuff is... This third verse where it's like like a thief on a Sunday morning, it all falls apart with no morning, the crushed metal of your little flying machine. Like this is, I would argue, one of the things going on here is this is a critique of the administration in, that, that was at, that, at this moment occupying the White House. This is like you got a lot of support early on when 9-11 happened and when you first wanted to invade Iraq. Because uh, Bush had these unbelievably hot, like I think George W. Bush holds the distinction of being the only president in history who all, who has both the highest and the lowest approval rating of all time at different points in his presidency. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think this is about George W. Bush and the people around him who sort of architected the, the war in Iraq because after 9-11, he, I mean, he, he could do, he had a blank check. He could do anything he wanted. And what he decided to do was invade a country that had nothing to do with 9-11. And we, we continue to pay a heavy price for that. And the thing is like, there was so much enthusiasm and support for that initially and then over time that support began to wane and then bush began to like really kind of sink like a stone in terms of his popularity and so i think this at one level i think this song is about like yeah you can't because again the title track of the album magic is all about sort of the deception and you know trust all trust none of what you hear unless of what you see and all, all these kinds of things and i think this song is like just because the country th thinks that they agree with this thing that you're doing, they won't, they won't always support you because eventually 
the the newness of this whole thing is going to wear off and we're going to realize we're in a we're in a war that we can't get out of you know what i mean yeah the crushed metal of your little flying machine yeah man that's a brutal line it is but then also not to just belabor all this but in my opinion there's a third thing going on in this song which is i think the first two songs of this album are bruce trying to determine whether or not first of all he wants to say the thing that he feels like he needs to say. And second of all, does anybody still want to hear what he has to say? That's why the first song of this record is Radio Nowhere. You know, is there anybody alive out there? It's basically Bruce starting a record. Like, I have something I, I'm dying to say. I'm going to explode if I don't say this thing. But I am concerned that nobody's going to listen. I am concerned that because I've been around for so long or because maybe celebrity doesn't really carry as much cachet as I thought it once did, I'm concerned nobody's going to listen. So Radio Nowhere is... I have something to say. Is anybody going to listen? And then you'll be coming down. Arguably, could also be him singing to himself about back during the Reagan era and born in the USA. Everybody was quoting me, and everybody was looking to me as like some sort of like poet laureate of you know the resistance. But now I'm a legacy artist, and now I wonder if I come out now and even to critique this this war and this president. First of all. Can I say the thing that I want to say? And second of all, will anybody be listening? And so I think part of this song is him sort of reckoning with himself. And I think one of the reasons it seems so mean and angry is because some of it is directed inward. And he's asking himself, like, has, has my pretty face worn out? You know, or ha, like, ha, have, I, have I dropped in the, in the public estimation so much that nobody cares what I have to say anymore? You know? Yeah. So, all, like, I realize I, I just said a lot, but... That that's why I think the song is so rich because I think all those things are in there all at once. Yeah, I love the the thought like, um, am I gonna do this? Like, am I gonna? I don't know if I'm gonna write this record or not. Yeah, because yeah, the, I mean this song this this album is very prophetic, but it also is is filled with self doubt, and I think the song is very vulnerable in that way. Well, and also yeah, all of Bruce's albums, are, and we talked about this before, all of Bruce's albums are at some level reflective of his own stage of life. And I wonder how much of the song is Bruce's reckoning with specifically his aging as a star. And um, yeah, like how much of that line about your when your pretty face wears out uh, is actually sort of also about him. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, I mean, quite frankly, the kid who wrote Does This Bus Stop at 82nd Street is not going to write this song. You know, that song is about starting out and being open eyed. Like, I'm 23. I've got nothing to lose. I have all these songs, I have, a, I have a dream, I'm gonna accomplish it, I'm, gonna, we're, I'm pulling out of here to win. And this song is on the other side of that entire journey of, man, is anybody, does anybody really care? Have, have, have I passed my, my sell-by date, you know? And, I mean, yeah. God, the, the bravery of being able to really reckon with those emotions and put it into a rock song, you know? Like, that's, I, I, think, I think a lot of, like, that's, that's what I mean. Like, I think this song is, is both to like the Bush presidency, but also to himself and to to other people who are in his position of like, does anybody really want to hear what a celebrity has to think about this? And if so, yeah, sh- or, or even if not, should I say it anyway? Yeah, absolutely. Is anybody there? Is anybody? Yeah, listening out there. Can anybody hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. I I, I think this is a super rich song. I'm sorry I've talked so much. What do you hear? Like, what what kinds of things are you? What what imagery do you do you see? What speaks to you here, if anything? Well, all right. So in the beginning, I kind of see, I, I kind of see like a, he, him speaking to a younger person, mm-hmm. you know, like a younger person who's experienced sort of celebrity for the first time. But I think he's he's looking at that person. I, here, here's sort of the narrative that I see. Like I see Bruce watching TV and watching some young person like sort of speaking out or young person 
rising up and he's just like, just wait, you know, yeah, this, is not, this isn't forever. And then he kind of looks at, you know, and he's kind of thinking about all the raging against the uh, current administration he's doing. And he's like, well, you know, shit, Bruce, you going to write this record or not? Is yeah. anybody going to care? <laughs> or are you just like that? Or, or is everything that you're thinking about this, this, this young new face uh, true? You know, has it already happened to you? Totally. And and that's that's one of the reasons why I would really get excited if Jason Isbell did this song because I think Jason Isbell has a certain like weariness to him that someone his age doesn't necessarily have. Like he he has a lot of Bruce's like talent and charisma, but he's also a lot younger than Bruce is. But I, because of his particular struggles, he also has a lot of you know hard earned wisdom to him. And so I I think Jason Isbell. I, I mean, quite frankly, if Jason Isbell wanted to do a full song by song cover of this entire album, I would, I'd listen to that every day for the rest of my life. But I think this song certainly, yeah. Um, I, I think this song would be one of the highlights on that because I, I feel like this is a this is one of those things that even he's sort of dealing with on his southeastern album. Yeah, man, it's a good album. It's such a good album. It's so I forget I always forget how stripped down it is until I you know listen to other stuff and then go back and listen to it. Yeah. Oh God, man, I would. If if he continues to amass a good enough body of work, we should do this for Jason as well. You know? Oh, yeah. That would be will, so much fun. It will 100% happen. But yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of good things to say on about this song. I, I could talk, like like I said, the chorus, the melody, the the lyrics. I, I just think this is a really, really great underrated Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah, it's not even, it's like, it's not unrated. It's not even rated. Yeah, it, it's, 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 a, it's a song nobody thinks about. In my mind, this is one of the hidden gems on Magic. This is this is a top five best songs on Magic for me. It sounds like it might be a top ten like song for you. I don't think it's that high. I, I'd have to. Look. I, I have my definitive Bruce Springsteen rankings. I could pr- pull them up. Actually, you know what? Hold on. I'll do it. I'll tell you exactly where where the song lands. Oh, you've done it. I've done it. I have it in a spreadsheet. Oh man, it took me I still months. Do that. You know what I did? I this is embarrassing, but I. I got every Bruce Springsteen song and put it into a list. And then I started like bracketing them like a NCAA tournament. And I just started eliminating. Uh, I, I did, I, I did it one song at a time and I would just eliminate. That's kind one. of imprecise though. No, it, it's very precise. How are you matching them up? You know, I was seeding them. I was anyway, it's, it, I could, I could tell you my whole process, but <laughs> it took a long time. All right. I put oh a lot my of thought gosh, into it. I, I had to tell my dad about this. Cause that's like his favorite thing to do with anything. And then also to he loved like <laughs> when we were watching Blinded by the Light, he kept talking about like this is definitely a top five Bruce Springsteen song, and I was like, Dad, we got fifteen right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to tell him about that. His favorite, like he likes to play, uh, like if you were a basketball coach, uh, which game of like what would be your starting five with Game of Thrones characters? <laughs> <laughs> like that's his that's his go to. He's like the giant would play center for sure, duh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I I could, I think your dad and I would have a lot to to discuss. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, you and my dad. Uh, I feel like y'all got along well for the brief amount of time y'all y'all been around each other. Yeah, we've we've only I think met twice. Like I met him at your wedding, and then I met him again at the River Show in in Dallas. Oh yeah. Um, y'all are both not necessarily people who just like walk up to strangers and be like, "So something deep." <laughs> I mean, I will if if I think the stranger's into it, but I'm certainly not gonna. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not just gonna. Right. Myself. Right. Yeah. Um. Okay, you'll be coming down is number forty-seven in my Bruce Springsteen top one hundred. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's top one hundred. That's awesome. Yeah, forty-seven. So it's in the top fifty. 
That doesn't um, feel like a bad rating at all. No, man. It's or, good. or ranking. No, I mean, if, and if you if you saw like all the songs above it, you'd be like, well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like this is as high as that song could possibly be, because um, sure. Bruce Springsteen has a lot of great songs. Anyway, how many pretty faces do you give this song? I give this song four and a half pretty faces. Okay, obviously I'm a five. Right. This is a five song for five or a five pretty for face sure. song for me. Yeah, man. I in fact. just having talked about it, it just makes me want to go back and listen to it again. I should really, really love it. Um, All right. Listen to it right now, man. Absolutely. You should be. Everyone should be. (laughs) I am jealous. Um, Because I don't have my iTunes set up that way. Uh, All right. So Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we have five songs to go, JB, before we hit the end of the alphabet. And the next song on our list is a song called You're Missing. And that's what we'll be talking about. on our Yeah, Off the Rising. And that's a spoiler alert it's our final song from the rising so uh join us again later this week and we'll be talking about your missing and until then go listen to you'll be coming down and ask yourself why does bruce not play this song more often and uh you know discuss all right thanks everybody Mm -hmm.